Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I am joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Hey there, Colson Lechner interrupting again, providing just a quick preface for this episode. I just wanted to let you know that the following content, while it's not derogatory or inappropriate, it is intended for adult listeners concerning the topic of sex and sexuality in the Bible. Now, obviously, use your own discretion, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and here we go. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partners in crime, uh, Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Brent Starnes. Guys, welcome back. Glad to be all together again. It's been a little bit. because All Yay. together. <laughs> yeah. Chris, uh, Chris Sherrod, you made it back from Montana, all right? Yep, it was, um, the weather was nicer than here. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> That's all I was saying. It was just nicer. <laughs> but it was great. Yeah, it's good. Did you do any hiking while you were there? Uh, we did a little, just some of the students and jumped off a little waterfall. I mean, a little cliff thing into a pool of water that was freezing cold, even though the weather was nice. Freezing. Yeah, that, that melt off water is pretty, uh, gets pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. All right. Well, we are continuing with our, um, is the Bible immoral by today's standards, uh, looking at scripture and seeing kind of how how immorality or how things that maybe the culture says are immoral, what the Bible actually says about them. Um, because as we're dealing with issues that people who are deconstructing their faith are dealing with, we want to deal with them honestly. And we also want to deal with them um, in light of scripture and not just in light of what we think, because that's where we run into issues. So, yeah. um, so what we're going to jump into today is kind of starting the conversation with the kind of umbrella topic of homosexuality. Yeah. And so probably sexuality yeah. in general. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Homosexuality yeah. being one of the oh, headings okay. under that, so that we need that to deal with. Okay. And Brian, you made a really good point about kind of the topics so far versus some of the topics that we may be moving into. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we planned it that way, but I think a lot of the topics that we have tackled so far, we ended up with the conclusion that, yeah, a lot of, times um the bible does say things are immoral that culture would say is immoral today so like racism for example or slavery a lot of things mm -hmm. that genocide yeah. sexism right so a lot of the things that we would frown upon even in culture it wasn't our goal to prove that but it, it does seem like the bible in its actual meaning and context would align with um just culture today, but I think this topic takes a drastic turn. And in a lot of ways, we will find that, that what scripture actually says is in a, in opposition to culture and, and is immoral by today's standards. So spoilers, but yeah. um, that's so interesting. That's, Cause you've got, you do have a, a difference of opinion on the morality of sex right. in general between today's culture and the Bible mm -hmm. and and so that, we, that makes the today's culture immoral by the Bible standards. Yeah. And it makes the Bible immoral by today's cultural standards. Yes. Right. Um, and so it really gets, that's a good point. It really, yeah. the, they are not in alignment. Yeah. And, and so the ones we've looked at so far, like slavery and those others, mm -hmm. we turned out 
a lot of our cultural views and the biblical views actually are in alignment, maybe not mm-hmm. perfectly, but in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Which, interesting. This is different. I mean, makes it an easier conversation for those topics because the Bible often does align with what we want to think in some ways, you know? Yeah. And so I think this one is a difficult topic on a number of levels, but one just being it, it often is going to be in opposition to what Mm-hmm. We may want the conclusion we may want to come to, or definitely yeah. um, friends and family want to come to. And so that makes this a really challenging topic in yeah. addition to how personal it is to, mm-hmm. to so many. But, right. And I know I that too, related to that <clears throat> is with things like genocide or slavery or whatever, we're, we're explaining that they have a wrong understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Like we're correcting to show them that no, 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 actually we are, fine. I mean, with what you guys are saying, we're in agreement with you, but when you start to talk about the sexuality one, we're not explaining that they have a misconception about what the Bible says. We're actually just then in contrast. But I think what is important in my mind is to remind people, like, this is the way the church has always been countercultural to the sexual views of society right? Um, from the beginning. And so that's why this is an area where it's it's scary to me that so many people are willing to cave in this area because it's like from, from the very beginning, we have always held to a sexual ethic that is at odds with the culture. Mm. And kind of like you've pointed out so many times before, Chris, people are making it sound like now we're the ones making this a big deal, but we've always been at odds with that. It's just that now the culture has shifted so much that they've changed their views. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Chris, will you, Chris Legg, would you mind yeah. just kind of talking about that whole, like, the whole, why are you always talking about this? Yeah, kind this, of is, a concept? this has been interesting. I'm now old enough, and <clears> then <throat> I've, I've been through enough variations of this that I started spotting this pattern, and that when I was, you know, younger, a, a young Christian knew at all of this stuff, um, we were talking about sex outside of marriage. And so, is it okay for people to have sex and not be married? And so the view was, you know, that someone would say, hey, the, the progressive culture would say, hey, sex is just common. Everybody does it. We should not be teaching abstinence. We should not be teaching self-control. We should not be teaching these things. And, and so what you as Christians or ju- the Judeo-Christian teaching, what you've been teaching for the last 3,000 years is wrong. And, and those in the Jewish world and the Christian world came back and said, no, no, what we've been teaching all along, what we've been teach it hasn't changed in 3,000 years. This has been the view. It's always been the view. It's still the view. And then the response is, why are you always talking about this? Mm-hmm. Like, well, we, didn't, we didn't bring it up. We haven't changed our opinions on this in thousands of years. Like, this has been a stable teaching, um, now poorly poorly done by human beings, and we, we're, none of us are very good at sexual purity and following the scriptural teachings about it. But But part of the Christian perspective, the Jewish perspective too, is that what God's word says is authoritative when it comes to things like, even like sex, even something as private and personal as sex. And so, but you can go back and look at this whole line, the sexual revolution, the reason it's called that is you go all the way back to the romantic era and move forward. So sex outside, adultery is, you know, adultery is not wrong anymore. Okay. Well, yes, it is. Why are you always talking about this? You're so close-minded. You're so bigoted. How come you camp on this? And what's interesting is, as a 50-year-old man, I remember just 20, 30 years ago when no one 
was talking about homosexuality from the pulpit. No one wanted to. No one did. It was still a taboo topic for the most part. Uh, most pastors kind of skimmed across the verses that meant message. Now, not all did, and there was certainly some who made a big deal about it, but it was really rare. <clears throat> no one was, but but the secular world wasn't talking about it that much either. It wasn't that constant a conversation. That was, they were still fighting about at that time about say birth control or abortion. So the church has not changed its view in two thousand years on abortion. Um, well, we're you know what you know what you've been wrong about it for two thousand years. No, we haven't. Why are you always talking about this? And no, no, we we haven't changed our views on this in 2000 years. Well, how come you're suddenly you suddenly you're all judgy about these things and you're teaching about them all the time. Nothing has changed. Nothing is sudden. Nothing is sudden about this. This has been the same view, the same perspective for a long, long time. And then when someone comes along and says, Hey, what the understanding has been for 3000 years, we have now found a way to teach that differently, throwing out all those years of history and tradition, throwing out all those years of hermeneutics and study and we now understand it in a brand new way that gives us license to do what the Bible teaches isn't okay. And and when the Christian steps up and says, no, that, that's not actually what the Bible teaches. Um, no, no, that's so this argument that you're making, here's the holes in it. Gosh, you're so you're so close-minded and judgmental and homophobic and sexually repressed and no fun. And like, I mean, gosh, I'm just responding to your book you wrote. I'm just responding to the article you wrote. I'm responding to the argument you made. I didn't bring up the topic. Believe me, I'm, I'm fine not fighting about this. But I also am not going to change what the Bible teaches for the sake of what other people's input is or what makes us comfortable. And by the way, just as a side comment, including what makes me comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can talk about that, but that's what authoritative means. Yeah, it would be that, much. It would be much nicer if it was like, if we could just say, well, I mean, if the Bible was in a spot where we could be like, oh yeah, well, okay, we, we do agree with you. Yeah, if that makes you, you happy, I mean? go for it. That'd be yeah. awesome. That's I'd love to be able to say that and and have, I mean, I think I can honestly say have diligently worked to try to change what I think the Bible says about it. It just, I know I'm being dishonest if I say anything other than what I think the Bible does say about it. But you're right, Brian, this is much harder. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun to tell people when they say, Oh, you're you're white Jesus, and you're white Christianity, and you're racist Christianity, and go, oh, cool! This is a fun conversation. Let's look at how that's wrong. Like it's not. It's a Jewish belief that built on, and and the the Ethiopian, uh, you know, it, it like to have all that teaching is great. This is not fun. Mm-hmm. It's not fun to say, hey, your Bible teaches that homosexuality is wrong, and this, and to have to go, well, I mean, yeah, 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 it does. Yep. Um, and that's, two, that's not as much um, fun. Sure. I have two really good uh, Tim Keller quotes related to this. You guys want to hear them? Yes. Sure. <clears throat> uh, one of them, he says, to stay away from Christianity because part of the Bible is offensive, assumes if there is a God, he wouldn't have any views that upset you. Mm. Right. Which I think is a helpful reminder. And then he, another quote I had, he said, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Mm. Right. And so it's, it's like you've said before, even Chris, that there, there might be things that I wish the Bible didn't say, right? Like I personally would love it if it was not this way. And I think with this issue in particular, because it's such a personal issue um, that makes it hard. Mm -hmm. And because we, 
And because people have made it their identity, that makes it even more offensive when we when we talk about this. I just wanted to, to put a plug for a, a general book that's so good. Um, it's kind of almost like a primer to this, to Sam Albury's book, um, yeah. Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? Mm-hmm. Just if someone wants a short read, that's just, it gives you good ways of thinking through why is this something that um, we should have a view on and, yeah. and why does God care? It's interesting to look I mentioned the first century church. We've, we've talked before about Nero and how crazy things were under him. I think as we feel like things are just ridiculously crazy, but Nero historically had five public um, weddings and in two of those yeah. weddings, he, it, they were same sex weddings. And one of them, he took on the, he was the bride. And one of them, he was the groom. And the other guy was like a bride dressed up like a woman. But this is like, imagine like our, the president of the United States having a public wedding, right. same sex wedding. And how, how crazy we think that is. But that's what first century Christianity had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how, how much the sexual ethic was, you know, uh, in their society. Like, that's what they had to. Face. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't yeah. I, I? I may be wrong about this. I need to look it up. But I'm under the impression one of them may have not been human too. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. That about one that. of his that one of his spouses was an animal. Anyway, I'll I know that one of them reminded him. One of the boys reminded him of one of his wives that he had had either killed or who he had killed. It was something weird where. It was kind of creepy anyway. He had him be like the woman in the relationship. Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I know that like these, these aren't specifically conversations that I've had Chris shared, but they've been conversations that we've talked about for people who have deconstructed their faith. Um, and their main reason was sexuality. And one of their main arguments is, well, this is the, this is the authentic me. Right. And so if, if somebody is, you know, can we maybe just touch on that? Like if somebody's dealing with that, like, well, this is authentically me. This is how I feel. And this is how I feel like I need to be. How, how do you, yeah. especially in, okay. in regard to, and, and I might be jumping too fast into stuff without laying the good groundwork, but I think that is something that I've seen at least, people that I follow and are friends with on social media have vocalized that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I was in the airport the other day and I don't know what magazine it was a cover of, but Elliot page mm-hmm. now has a whole bunch of shirts with uh, his shirt off. Uh, sorry, a whole bunch of pictures with his shirt off. Cause he's had so much surgery that, um, so that's, you know, uh, it was Ellen Page, right? Before Ellen Page mm-hmm. before, yes. Yeah. yeah, and so that's the biggest one. But this quote that I came across from Elliot Page most recently said, I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. And so that word authentic is the big one. And I think, I think I've shared this before, that our culture's ult- three ultimate values that start with the letter A. Did I share this with you before? I don't think so. Uh, autonomy, authenticity, and affirmation. Yeah. So the ultimate goal is I'm autonomous, which literally means self-law. So um, you get to define happiness. You get to define sexuality. You get to define your purpose, all that stuff. So it's totally up to you. And then the authenticity is where people are saying, but as long as you're real, as long as that's who you really are. And then the affirmation is the demand that you tolerate me, but actually more than tolerate me, you affirm me. But what, what I was sharing 
even some students last week, is that people are being authentic, but they're being authentic to their flesh, or they're identifying themselves according to their brokenness, which my response is always like, I, I believe you. I believe that you have those desires. I have sure. no doubt that you have those desires. Sure, no reason to doubt that. It's a matter of, is it okay? Do you just follow every desire that you have? And, and as long as you're being authentic, that's all that, that matters. And um, that's where the big, I think, challenge would be. Yeah. But those are my three A's. So <laughs> how do you, I guess, can we kind of step off from that, talking about des- desires? I know that Chris like and I had talked about this very briefly, but the the like the temptation of homosexuality right mm-hmm. versus engaging in that like do we want to yeah. talk about that or yeah, we definitely can I just on that um the note of authenticity before we move yeah. on. I think it goes back to what we said just a minute ago of like, that's one of the reasons this is so difficult because so many of these things we've talked about are like beliefs or ideas or, or things that you can hold to, but a lot of them aren't considered an identity. And so I think you're right. This is, this hits really deeply with most people who um, either would consider themselves in the LGBTQ, QIA category or have friends and family. Like it's so personal because of the identity aspect and the authenticity aspect of it, that it doesn't feel like you're saying, I disagree with a, a idea or a belief. It, it sounds mm-hmm. like I disagree with who you are as a person. Um, is ha- and we can talk about that more later, but I think just at the front saying like <clears throat> we, and a lot of us have relationships with people that we love that, um, would consider themselves in that community. And so, um, I think for me personally, it hits very, um, just hits home that, that this is very personal and it's, it's a really hard conversation. It's not something that, um, is just because truth is clear in our mind doesn't mean that it's an easy truth like we just talked about. And so even the authenticity aspect of it, um, like that's, it, it's a very difficult conversation to have with someone who you care about. Um, you know, and so I just wanted to say that at the beginning, because I think it's good to acknowledge that and acknowledge that even in some ways, it's not different from the other things we've talked about in that it's different from truth or scripture or is somehow divorced from those, but, um, can feel much more personal than some mm-hmm. of them, if that makes sense. And but part of it is it's also very someone, real. It's very real yeah. now. So, right. we, I mean, yeah. it's it's a little bit more similar to racism than, say, slavery. Yeah. Because, you know, if, yeah, if, you're, if you're talking to somebody who's experienced racism, yeah, and then you say, you come around saying something about what you've experienced, you're wrong about that, right. is going to be very difficult. They've experienced racism. Right. And so if you've experienced hatred or what feels to you like judgment or rejection because you're gay Mm -hmm. because of a choice you've made or because of a predisposition you have or because of a preference or whatever you put in there because of a life circumstance, it's, it's easy to feel like, well, that's, that's about me Mm -hmm. that you're talking about. You're telling me something about me. Mm -hmm. Um, Now in in a moment, what we'll do is dive into the passages that are in the Bible that reference homosexuality um, and that talk about it and, and, why it it seems like what the Bible is saying is that homosexual behavior 
is sinful. And it is important. I think one of you asked a second ago, it is important to distinguish between desire and behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, you can have a mental behavior. It doesn't necessarily mean your body is acting. Your brain can have a behavior. You can have a mental behavior. But I do think it's part of my understanding is that <clears throat> is that attraction is an incredibly complex science. Mm-hmm. It's impacted by genetics. It's impacted by early childhood experiences. It's impacted by what we're what we are exposed to. It's it's impacted by so many different things, mm-hmm. and it's radically complex. Um, it's there's nothing easy about it. It's it's not as simple as I like this or that. It is um, all over the map, and so. Um, and I've had lots of long conversations with people about just this concept of attraction. But all of us have preferences when it comes to attractions. And it's, again, like I said, more complicated than merely one thing or another. It's it's very complicated. And so, mm-hmm. but the thought that say you find something or someone attractive or an activity attractive or a thing attractive, that in itself is not sin. I, I don't see any way how you can describe that as sin. Now, it may be that all of our attractions are a result of brokenness. Um, Certainly all of our attractions that fall outside of morality are a result of our own brokenness. Um, And so, you know, if I I am attracted to someone other than my wife, that's a result of my insecurities or my brokenness or whatever. But it doesn't change, and it's not sinful that I do. It's not Mm -hmm. sin that I find someone interesting or attractive any more than me finding a certain car interesting or attractive. That's not in and of itself sin. <clears throat> but there is a, you know, biblically, there is a mandated appropriate way for engaging in certain types of attractions or not engaging in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it, it again, that's hard for us because we live in a culture where no one is supposed to tell me anything about mm-hmm. me, but me, including what is right and wrong about my behavior. So again, if someone were to say, because the Bible teaches this, if they were to say it this way, if the Bible teaches that homosexuality is sin, then I refuse to look to the Bible as authoritative. Well, that's that's kind of between you and God and the Bible, I guess. There's nothing to if 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 you if the authority of Scripture or the authority of God ends at your sexual decisions, well, then as Chris just quoted from Keller, then you just need to acknowledge that you worship you over God. You worship your preferences and your desires over God, and. That may sound harsh or judgmental. It's it's not. I've, I've again, we have several people in the church, and I've known lots of people in my life who have said, "Though this is my preference, it's not what I'm going to choose." In fact, <laughs> I say several people, all of us, <laughs> um, multiple times in life, say, "Though this is my preference, it's not what I'm going to choose." Mm-hmm. Um, every single one of us has to do that all the time, um, and that applies here too. Mm. Chris, I think uh, when yeah, people was... say things like. Uh, well, I don't feel convicted on anything in the Bible. Even that phrase means my feelings are the determiner of my actions. Like right. if I feel convicted, then I'll do something. And so then what happens if you don't, if you don't feel bad about it, does that mean then therefore until you feel bad about something, you don't have to change. And that means you're probably, you might not grow a whole lot. Um, mm. But I think even what you were talking about, I think Beckett Cook mentioned this when we had him at, at South Spring that when he was a homosexual or when that was his identity, I should say um, the whole hate the sin, love the sinner that we've used as a, as a cute little phrase was pretty offensive to him because Mm -hmm. if you, if this is my identity, you're still saying what I'm, that this behavior is, it's who I am. 
And so you're still hating who I am. And so even little phrases like that didn't help when we, um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's fair to say like at the, the front of this conversation that, that even though I don't think it's been as a, like you're saying it, it's not a topic that's new, like sexuality and different sexual preferences and, um, choices have been around since forever, you know, even with your example of Nero, but then with leg saying like this conversation being this big of a topic, being a newer thing, I think it's also fair to say like, there are a lot of ways that the church has a handle. The church is a capital C church in the brokenness of the individuals of the church have not handled this well. Um, which has has only, I think harmed individuals who have wrestled with this and this has been the like crux of their deconstruction. Like we, like every other topic that we've discussed when broken individuals in the name of Jesus or the name of the church haven't handled it well and have treated it like it is somehow different than every other sin or somehow that, you know, it's us versus them or like, Oh, you are Somehow, like all of the ways that the church hasn't handled this well has yeah. only made this worse and made the conversation more painful, I think. Absolutely. For so, sure. Um, yeah, that was, I, I grew up with a version of this that people would teach it like um, homosexuality is, is bad, evil, and gross. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, if, if you mean an abomination to the Lord, maybe you've got a case to make biblically, but if you just mean I find it distasteful, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care if, a, if an individual person finds it distasteful or doesn't find it distasteful. I don't care. And, and, and I don't like, I'm not one of those people who's like, Oh, gross. Like, I, okay. I don't, I don't have that, whatever that is that, that people find some people think it's really weird or something out. I don't I've not experienced that, but I've heard it taught that way in the church. Like, mm-hmm. listen, okay, guys, this is gross. Like, or it's like it doesn't assuming, matter if it's gross. You like it or don't like it. I don't care. What yeah. I need to know is what the Bible teaches about it because I need to defer to an authority bigger than me. Because then you're still basing decisions on emotions. Right. You know, you're still That's, like, well, I feel like this is worse than other sins because I... Because I'm not tempted by it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think that that's a that's a natural one, isn't it? It's and easy, really it's easy to, to do the church, that. I just was reading, I think it's in the first chapter too of Preston Sprinkle's book, Embodied. Mm-hmm. And he gives an example of a girl who went to her pastor to, to say, I'm struggling with this. Am I trans or am I whatever? And he basically showed her the, to the door and just said, don't come back. Mm. Like yeah. the response was just, we don't want anything to do with you here. This is not a safe place to share stuff like that. So Yikes. that was literally the last time she darkened a church for a decade or two. Like mm-hmm. it was like, I, I know for sure I'm not going to go to those Christians and I don't. I mean, understandably, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, that's a right. That that God is another God. We would deconstruct the one who can't handle our temptations or right. mm-hmm. who can't talk about those things. I think it was it Beckett who said that as a gay man, he didn't go to the church for the same reason that a black man doesn't go to a KKK rally. Mm. Like that was his. That was his. That. Like right. That right. was his impression as a mm-hmm. as a gay man about about any church was. Well, no, of course I never. I didn't know what the church actually taught on these things. How would I know? It's not like I went. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I just think yeah, I think that's a helpful piece of this conversation to to acknowledge, like we've acknowledged with other things of like there's a lot of hurt and church abuse and and misteaching surrounding even this. But. And when we okay, just want to 
define a word here. When we so when we're using the word gay or homosexual on on the rest of this podcast, we're going to mean it by someone who is attracted, desires, prefers some version of that engaging sexually with the same sex rather than the opposite sex. Is that a I think that's a fair definition that would finds the opposite sex attract sexually attractive? Yeah. Finds the same sex, excuse me, sexually attractive. Yes. Yeah. And I think um, it's fair to say homosexual is not that we shouldn't use it, but it is an offensive, more of an offensive term than gay okay. in today's culture. Which is a switch, by the way, from when but, I was right. younger. That <laughs> but, was the mm -hmm. exact opposite. But I think yeah. gay, yeah, I think gay means prefers someone of the same sex. Okay. Yeah. So that being this, that being said, and I guess we're actually, no, we're not going to get to the Bible passages today, <laughs> clearly, yeah. That's which is fine. That's okay. This is an important part of this conversation. As we talk about sex in general because um when we when we look down but you know I'm, I'm the sexual revolution that's been going on in america didn't start with homosexuality but if you're under 30 you think it does okay yeah, that's um fair. but it started you like much further than that with romantic the romantic era women's rights sex outside of marriage arguably evolution certainly feminism pornography birth control no fault divorce and by the way i would argue and agree with uh, al moeller that no fault divorce is probably the biggest attack on the American family ever. Mm. Um, abortion. If if somebody doesn't know what no-fault divorce is, can you give like yeah, a Yeah, that you short... can end a marriage without cause. Okay. That you can just say, listen, we're just irreconcilable differences. We just can't get along. Yep. And so there's Break nothing, up. you don't have to make a case like this person <clears throat> abused me, this person cheated on me, this person is destroying our family. Like you could just, any two people could go down and go like, yeah, we're done now. Mm -hmm. We started it and we're done. We're finished. And did that, was that a concept that like started in our culture or would, did we uh, adopt it from? It's, it's been around off and on, I think in different cultures, okay. but in, in America, it was really a battle during the sixties and seventies. Okay. And it was a part of the sexual revolution was. Well, but I guess before no fault divorce, you had to prove, what did you have to prove? Well, it wasn't no fault. It had to be prove fault. You had to prove infidelity or oh, abuse okay, or okay, addiction okay. or something like that, that there was a, a, a reason you were. I didn't were, know that. And you can still do that today. People get divorced, can get divorced for infidelity or force different reasons, or they can just agree irreconcilable differences and okay. you know, whatever. Now, you can see why that was important in a in a society that women had a harder time getting divorced than men. Mm -hmm. That was unjust. That's, that's an expression of injustice that it should be the same. I mean, whatever the rules are should apply equally to everyone. That is a vital biblical concept that, that the rules need to apply equally to everybody, but it really undermined the, the stability of marriage that when things just got hard, it didn't, it isn't, they had to be immoral. It just was hard. And you could just go get divorced because it was just too hard now instead of because there was an offense. Now, the feminist movement fought for that, again, maybe rightly so, in that the, the divorce situation really preferred men at the time, favored men. And that did need to change. That was unjust um, for yeah. sure. Um, but then homosexuality, the, marriage rights, and then the trans rights most recently. Right, all of that. Well, the big picture view of that is that it used to be a package deal before the sexual revolution, marriage, sex, and babies was kind of a package deal. Like that's uh -huh. just what you, like all three of those go together. Like you, you don't have sex separate from marriage, you don't have babies separate from marriage, you don't have sex outside of marriage, you know, all those things. And so that's part of what began to be split up um, during the sexual revolution in our culture anyways. Right. Mm -hmm. That each of those stand alone. Yep. So 
But here's what's important is none of those is somehow the magic sin. In fact, some of them aren't sins at all. Some of them, the church was wrong um, on some of those topics. And some of them, the culture was wrong on some of those topics, in my opinion. But um, so I think, so something I think it's important for us to, to, to say is, is, is being gay not, we're not talking about behaviorally at this point, the desire, the attraction, the preference. Again, I don't, I don't want to use offensive language. I'm just using that whole concept yeah. together that, that we would, we would say that is, that is inherently, that is not inherently sin. It is not inherently. And the behavior of engaging in a same sex sexual act is not more sin or more egregious a sin than any other sexual sin. Like that's, is, or we're all on the same page about that, right? Yeah, it's all a broken expression of either disordered loves or or disordered view of sexuality that either way, you're breaking God's command. Right. I was talking to a student the other day who, who um, he had friends, and I, and I did want to comment about people who, who say like, well, I'm a Christian and I'm, I think this behavior is fine. But there was a couple who was, they were telling this guy, um, it's okay for us to have sex because we're going to get married. And right was we're in love and we're going to make the commitment kind of a thing. And um, what I said to him was to, cause he's like, what do I tell them? And I said, well, what, what they're saying is it's okay for me to have sex with someone I'm not married to. And that, that you're already, you have that mentality before you get married, that it is okay for me to have sex right. with someone I'm not married to. So you bring that mentality into your marriage that you started the whole thing off with this idea that marriage, sex doesn't have to only reside within marriage. And so it just creates a whole lot of distrust anyways in your marriage, because that's exactly what adultery is. Mm. Right. It's me deciding it's okay for me to have sex with someone that I'm not married to. Right. But for the believer, I think the biggest challenge, the believer who says that this is okay of any kind of sexual expression is in first Corinthians six. It's um, four words. You are not sorry. Five words. You are not your own five words. <laughs> Telling, just reminding believers, like right. in this area in particular with your body and sexuality, you're not your own. There's That means there's certain questions you just don't even get to ask. Like, it doesn't matter. Do you feel like it? Are you in love? But I have this attraction, whatever it is. It's like, okay, but you're not your own. Your body right. belongs to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So for a believer, it's to me, this issue is a, a little easier to explain. It's like, well, you've got, you've got a big problem if you're just going to throw out verses that, that you don't agree with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that's a good also point to mention is that the, the Bible does not demand biblically sound moral behavior of people who are not fault, who are not God fearers, Christ followers. Mm -hmm. Like it's the, if, of course those are better, they're still moral or immoral, but it's not the job of Christians or of the Christian faith to convert people to different behaviors. Right. Um, what we want people to do is to know Christ and then let that battle be one struggled between them and Christ with their Christian friends alongside of them. Right. Jackie Hill Perry often says, um, we're not calling people to a gospel of heterosexuality. That's exactly mm. right. We're not calling people primarily, like we're not calling you to be straight. We're calling you to, to Jesus. Yeah. That was a, we, we are calling you or Christ is calling Christ you to calling purity, you. but yeah. it's purity he purchases and he creates. And then we have the opportunity to live out in obedience. And, and, it is important to hear every single 
human being, every single Christian has to fight this fight of sexual purity, of sexual submission to Christ. Every That's not only for gay people. That's not only for porn addicts. It's, it's for all of us. And, and that it, impl- it includes all of those too. And so it, it is important to recognize this is a battle that this, the, the battle to live according to sexual purity, the sexual purity Christ has purchased for us, and then calls us to live out, uh, not to create by living it, but to live it out because he created it, um, is a struggle and a battle for all of us. And so mm-hmm. um, that's, I think that's another part of this conversation. And as we look at sexual sin, and, and it won't just be homosexuality, that just is in our era mm-hmm. in the same way that abortion was the hot topic. Okay, of course, it's back on the map for sure. But yeah. the way birth control, I mean, you don't hear a lot of churches talking about birth control right now because the, the culture has moved past that. Like, no, that's, that's decided, that's done. Um, we finished that conversation, we're moving on. Or even a lot of the women's rights issues. I mean, it's, you, you don't get a lot of churches fighting about whether women should be voting. Well, it's because 100 years ago we decided, no, that's, yeah, that's, that should be. But I'm sure if we go back, we would find people fighting about it 100 years ago, um, and sometimes in the name of the church, right or wrong. And so um, the reason that we have to spend some time, extra time probably on the conversation of homosexuality is because it is the sexual, it is where the kind of the lines are drawn when it comes to the difference between what, what gosh, is what we said at the beginning of the podcast, the, where, where we're going to run in now into a difference between the morality of scripture and the morality of the culture is in regards to sex and what defines moral sex. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a culture that's left us only one moral standard for sex, and that is consent. And we would say, but the Bible teaches there are a lot more moral standards in regards to sexuality than merely consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to unpack like, those. Yeah. And I do like that Sam Albury talks about, because he's same-sex attracted, and he's mm-hmm. written his book, Is God Anti-Gay? And he says that people will say to him, like, well, it must be a lot harder for you, or you've had to give up a whole lot more for the Lord. And his response is like, I think he calls all of us to die to ourselves in every area. It's like, it's right. not just me. And, and there's an article I was reading recently that talked about that, where if people are complaining, like you guys are trying to get people to change, it's like, well, that's, that's what the gospel tells us to Like if you're, if right. nothing changes in your life, you don't understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. Good. That sounds like a, that's a lot to yeah. unpack. And yeah. yeah. And hey, we if you're out there to... and you're listening and you're like, great, I don't, I do not want this conversation. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to know what the Bible says about this. I totally, I think we all would understand that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, it's something that's a struggle because it's so culturally um, kind of on fire. And so, and is, I think like we tough. said, personal, like yeah. it's, we, re, it's hard for us to even talk about it, knowing some people we care about will hear this and feel very hurt and unloved by it, even if right. that's not the intent, you know. So true. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.